This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Morning, everybody. What a great way to close out the year, right? Coming to church, getting some instruction, hanging out with some people who ate way too much, getting to try out your Christmas clothes, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I just want to welcome you, um, especially those of you who are brand new. Um, welcome to church. If you're looking for a church home, we hope we get to be that church. But more, even more than that, we would want to pray with you that God would lead you to the place that He's designed for you to plug in and get connected, where He can speak into your life, where you can build wonderful relationships with people around you, and you can make a difference through that church. We just hope we get to be that church. And so I, I want to welcome you this morning. I want to say a couple of other things. Um, the Christmas season is a great season for most people. But for some, it's tough. For some of us right here this morning, it's our first Christmas season without somebody in our life who was very important to us in I know there's a little melancholy to that, and I want to be sensitive to that today. And I pray that throughout the Christmas season, you have found a measure of comfort, a measure of joy, and a measure of peace from God during this time, because He wants to redeem that in your life and make it a beautiful time again for you. And uh, so I just want to pray for us as we get started, Father. For those of us that this has been just an amazing Christmas season, we thank you and we recognize the difference that Jesus makes. And we're so excited about that. And for those of us that this has been our first Christmas season without somebody, or it's, it's an anniversary that's a painful one for us, we also recognize the difference Jesus makes. And uh, Jesus, we ask you, to make a difference in our lives and to redeem this season in some way so that it becomes for us again a time of great joy as well as remembering. And uh, we can bless you for that. Would you speak into our lives this morning through your word? Would you help us to hear something from you that would change our lives? I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you who are just passing through, <clears throat> you're here with family and you got drug here, okay? Uh, my prayer for you is that you have a great time this morning, and my prayer is that you hear something this morning that spiritually awakens something inside you. Uh, we all have that spiritual nature, and I pray that somehow God gets through uh, to you today in a way that would begin to change your life forever. Uh, for those of you who are brand new, the program is a really important thing. Grab your program right now. On the inside of your program, it'll tell you about things that are happening in our church. I think you'll find that interesting. But for right now, I'd like to pull out two important pieces of paper. They're great tools and resources that we make available every Sunday in our church. And the first is this fill-in-the-blanks thing. We do that to enhance your learning. And if you take the time to write in the correct answers, I don't even care if you guess right now. I'm cool with that, all right? Um, you can see how, how, how uh, good you are at guessing or how bad I am at putting words in there, either way you want to look at it. 
Um, but I, we do that to enhance your learning. Places in the margin to write notes and so forth. And the second thing is this card that says Connect Card. Um, super valuable resource. Gives you the opportunity, everyone in our church, the opportunity to have a connection to our staff, to ask for information about ministries or services we provide, to submit a prayer request. And in the middle of it, there's a place for you to record what you're going to do with what you learned today. And so for right now, on the, on the side that says start here, if uh, you would just put your, your name and your contact information, we all do that every Sunday. That way, when we get ready to pray through that or follow up with you or do whatever we can do to help you get connected with God, we actually know who we're trying to connect with. So there you go. <clears throat> I'm going to take us, this is, um, usually we speak in sermon series. This sermon is a standalone sermon and it's designed particularly to help us get set up well for 2014. So I want you to think of it as a ramp up into the coming year. Uh, we're going to head into a series next week called Dangerous, and I, I know you're going to enjoy that, but today I want to take you to a Bible story, and it's got two points, and they're very clear, and then we're going to apply that to something that we often think of in the Christmas season as we head into the next year. <clears throat> so let me tell you a little bit of a, of a backstory. The main character in our story this morning is a guy by the name of Naaman. And Naaman was the commanding officer of the king of Aram's army. And the king of, of Aram at this time, and Aram was, is an ancient name for roughly the, the modern country of Syria. The king's name was Ben-Hadad. He was actually Ben-Hadad II. And he was, as you can tell, the second in that dynasty of rulers. Naaman was the commanding officer of his army, and they were sort of the big kid on the block at the time. They were the most powerful army in the surrounding areas there on the eastern end of the Mediterranean Sea, and they were just sort of beating up on all of the nations around them. And they had invaded the nation of Israel, and they had conquered much of northern Israel, they had dispersed the people as slaves throughout their empire. And this was all taking place about 850 years before Jesus was born. Everything was good, except obviously for the slaves who had been conquered. One of those slaves ended up to be a young girl, and she ended up in the household of Naaman. And she was just a little household servant girl who went around and did whatever she was told to do. And apparently in that household, she was treated well because she uh, obviously appreciated and enjoyed the people who actually owned her and were her masters. And, and one day she said <clears throat> in casual conversation to her mistress, she said, you know, it's too bad that my master Naaman didn't live in Israel. Because there's a guy in Israel, he's a prophet, his name is Elisha, and I know that if my master lived in Israel and he went to the prophet Elisha, Elisha would heal him. Now what was wrong with Naaman? Well, Naaman had leprosy. And just so you and I understand 
what that was like. Leprosy was the sentence of death to anyone in that day and time. There was no cure for it. It was extremely communicable. You had to live by yourself. So Naaman, in his own household, had his own little place that he lived that was isolated from everybody else. He couldn't touch them. He couldn't have any physical contact with them. He couldn't eat um, off the dishes that they ate off of. He could have no physical contact in any way with anybody in his world. So here he was, the commander of the most powerful king's army, but a stranger in his own house. And this little girl looked at that, and she said, there's something not right about that. And she said, there's an answer to this. Well, when she said that to her mistress, you can imagine that sort of news traveled to Naaman pretty quickly. And that's where we're going to pick up the story, because Naaman decides to do something about it. So he loads up his horse and his chariots with gold and silver and all sorts of expensive clothing, and he heads off to buy himself a cure from this prophet. And that's where we'll pick up the story. Take a look. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. But, big word in this thing, Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River, then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. You know, something pretty amazing about that because it doesn't even say Naaman told him what the problem was, right? He goes and knocks on the door. A guy shows up and says, I got a message for you from Elisha. Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River and you'll be healed. Here's what happens. But, there's that word again, Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy, call on the name of the Lord his God, and heal me. Now, aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana, and the Farpar better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in a rage. I want you to look at the title of the message. You could give a one-word summary to Naaman's thoughts. Really? I loaded up my chariot. I drove hundreds of miles to come down here. I walk up to this guy's door. He doesn't even come to greet me. Does he know who I am? Does he know what I've done? You know, it's really interesting when, when we get um, a little injection of self-importance. I remember hearing the story from a distant relative of mine who worked at LAX. And as you know, in the Los Angeles International Airport, there are all sorts of Hollywood stars who come through there and people who have received quite an injection of self-importance. And one day, they were having massive troubles and this plane had been delayed and, and they had been moved from gate to gate and finally... Somebody who thought they were really important had taken as much as they could take, stomped up to the counter and said, ma'am, do you know who I am? 
I am sick and tired of being moved from gate to gate. And if you knew who I was, you would not be doing this to me. She didn't miss a beat. She reached down, picked up the microphone, and said, Ladies and gentlemen, there's a guy standing here who can't seem to remember who he is. If anyone knows who this guy is, would you be kind enough to come and let me know? (laughs) That, my friends, is pretty funny, right? (laughs) Well, Naaman is standing there thinking, "Does, does this guy know who I am? I deserve better than this. And then he says to me this ridiculous thing about going and, 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 and washing myself seven times in the Jordan River. Has he seen that moving mass of mud? I've seen the Jordan River. It's not anything you'd really want to dip in. Okay? Yeah. Wow. Really? Let's pick up the story. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? What if he had said, I want you to go kill a hundred men in battle? Do you think Naaman would have done it? Yeah, man. That would feed into that sense of self-importance. Now, so you should certainly obey him when he, sim- when he says simply, go wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him, and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child's, and he was healed. There's two things, two great principles we should learn from this. And the first principle is this, God's ways are often counterintuitive. Friends, you have to know that. I want you to know that. God's ways are often counterintuitive. They're not something you can figure out on your own. That's why it takes faith to follow God. Because He's going to ask you to do some things that on the surface make no sense to you. Okay? I want you to be aware of this. Naaman almost missed the cure of a lifetime. He almost missed it. He almost got in his chariot in a huff and rode back home and went, that, my friends, is stupid. But because his officers spoke to him, he decided to give God a try. And he learned the second lesson. And the second lesson is this. God's ways always work. I don't care how counterintuitive they might seem, they always work. Now listen, when God says to do something or God says not to do something, if you decide to obey, something in your life gets protected that would be left unprotected if you had not obeyed. Something in your life gets improved that would not have improved if you had not done it God's way, something in your life works better than it would have worked had you done what you wanted to do. And on the flip side, when you and I decide, eh, I'll take my own shot on this one. Okay? Then whatever it is that God says to do or not to do, it leaves something in our life unprotected that could have been protected. It leaves something in our life unimproved that could have been improved 
by, by doing what God said. It leaves something in our life working less well than it could, not as good as it could, if we had actually done it God's way. And that's the concept I want to talk to you about today. I wanted you to get it from that story because it's such a clear demonstration of those two principles. God flat out says in His Word, my ways are not your ways. Just know that up front. I'm going to ask you to do things that on the surface you're going to look at me and go, really? And I'm going to say, really? Because they work. Now, there are three topics that get brought up often in the context of Christmas. And they are wonderful topics. And as we head into 2014, I know we're going to want these in our lives. And so I want to read us just excerpts of three scriptures, and then we're going to take the principles we just learned from this story and apply it to these three principles. Here we go. And they are the subjects of love, joy, and peace. Central concepts in the Christmas message. Here's how the Bible describes love that's available to us. In Philippians chapter 1 verse 9, the Bible says that it's possible for us to have hearts that overflow with love. I want you to circle that word overflow because we're going to come back to that in a minute. First Peter chapter 1 verse 8 says that God makes it possible for us to experience inexpressible joy. I want you to circle the word inexpressible. And then Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7 talks about a peace that exceeds all human understanding. Write the word, uh, circle the word exceeds. Because in each case, those are descriptive words. They speak of the measure of God's love, joy, and peace. Friends, it's possible for you and for me to have hearts that overflow with love. Now, when your heart overflows with love, it means that you cannot contain that love. It means that sometimes that heart overflows with love to the point it moves you to tears. Sometimes your heart overflows with love to the point that you want to stand up and jump and run around and act like a crazy little three-year-old kid, right? Sometimes when your heart overflows with love, it, it, it's just, it moves you to outrageous generosity and you go and do things that from a banker's standpoint might not make a whole lot of sense. Right? It's overflowing love. Do you know anybody that doesn't want that? I don't. I want that in my life. And when I experience that in my life, I mean, I know that I'm fully alive. The Bible talks about an inexpressible joy. This is the kind of joy that you get and you don't know what to do, right? Because it defies expression and you try to explain it to your friends and then you finally end up by going, oh, you would have had to have been there, right? Because you can't convey in words the feelings and the emotions that came, that came from way down inside. And the Bible talks about this peace that exceeds human understanding. 
That when the rest of the world is falling apart and is going crazy, that God has the ability to put in your heart something that defies human understanding and you can go through it with the peace of God in your heart. And onlookers will go, whoa. Yeah. The key question of the morning is how do I get more of that in my life. And the Bible is so clear about this. And it's the one principle I want you to get this morning. Because I believe down in your heart, you would like to know the answer to that question. And, 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 and I know that pretty much every person in the world would want to know the answer to that question. And there are actually two answers to that one question one is far better than the other. So let's take a look at the two available solutions that we have. And the first is an intuitive solution. And that is, if you want more love and joy and peace in your life, you have a choice every day when you get up, and you can either act more loving, more joyful, and more peaceful than you did the day before, or you could be a sourpuss if you want to, right? And there's truth in that. And I want you to know that every day when you get up, you have two lists that can occupy your mind. And the one list is all the things that are going wrong in your world that could be better and perhaps should be better and all the ways that you've been hurt and all the ways that you've been disappointed and all the things in your life that are less than what you would like for them to be and less than what you think they should be. And you can put your mind on those things. And today probably won't be one of your banner days. And you do have a list of things that are all the wonderful things in your life. The people who love you. The people who genuinely care about you. The people who go out of their way to share life with you. The things that you have in your house that God has blessed you with. Come to think of it, the house that you live in that God blessed you with. All those things. You have all these reasons to act more loving, more joyful, and more peaceful. But what I want you to see and understand is that there's a power in that. And you can go down to the library and you can buy books, self-help books, on how to change what you think about. And, and even the Bible talks about putting your mind on the good things. But if you do that, here's what you need to know. You will have more love in your life. You will have more joy in your life. You'll have more peace in your life, but you will never have overflowing love. You just have more. You'll never have inexpressible joy. You just have more joy. And you'll never have a peace that exceeds human understanding. You'll just have more peace than you had before. You know why? Because... This is an intuitive solution. And what was the first principle we learned out of the story of Naaman? That God's ways are often what? Counterintuitive. This is a good answer. It's not a great answer. It's a good answer. It will produce fruit in your life. 
but it won't produce the kind of fruit that I think you and I really want and that God makes available to us, okay? And by the way, no one looks at that and goes, really? You know why we don't? Because it makes sense to us. If you want more love in your life, act more lovable, right? That makes sense to me. If you want more joy in your life, put a smile on your face. Yeah, that makes sense to me. God says, you know, that's good stuff. But I have a God solution. And here's the God solution. And I tell you right up front that oftentimes our first response to this is, really? Here's the God solution. Sit regularly with Him. Here's how He says it. Come close to God and He will what? Come close to you. Let's read it out loud together. Ready? Let's read it. Come close to God, and He will come close to you. Does that really work? By the way, let's just pull over to the side of the road for a minute and ask ourselves a question. In the midst of all the stuff that's going on in life, no matter what it is, I mean, you could have the worst piece of news that your husband or your wife was just diagnosed with some terminal illness, and you're sitting there in the hospital, and you're crying your eyes out, but if God were to put His arm around you, and you know it was God, and God was to look at you and say, I got this. Would that improve your peace quality in that moment? Yeah. Would that do something with your joy factor? Of course it would. Because you know what you and I both know? That wherever God is, there is this overflowing love, this inexpressible joy, and this peace that exceeds human understanding. you to think about this. Some of the key characters in this Christmas story are Joseph and Mary. And we know the story, how that the Holy Spirit came over Mary and conceived in her the child Jesus. Well, let's just back up the train for a minute and ask ourselves a question. Could Joseph and Mary on their own, ever produced a Jesus. No matter how good they were at parenting, could they have ever produced a Jesus? A son that was so good he was God in human flesh? What do you think? No. Because human beings cannot possibly make a God. Well, guess what? This, this overflowing love, this inexpressible joy, and this peace that passes human understanding cannot be manufactured, made, or produced by human beings. They come only from God. They are His promises to you and me. So you know what that means? If we're going to experience love, joy, and peace at that level in our lives in 2014... We're not just going to get it by acting more loving and by acting more joyful and by acting more peaceful and thinking about those two lists and trying to get our mind on the correct list. God says, here's how it happens. Come and sit with me and I will give them 
to you. And you'll experience them in my presence. Now, right away, there's something on the inside of us, the naaman in us, that goes, Really? You're kidding. It's that easy? Friends, it's not complicated. It's not complicated, it's not tough, and it will not tax your resources. You know why? Because God wants to make this available to everyone, so you don't have to be talented to get it. You don't have to have a lot of resources to get it. It's available to everyone. It's simple. And I think that I'm kind of here to play the role of Naaman's officers for you. And to say... Before you just dismiss this out of hand and you start living 2014 like you lived 2013 except you put a few New Year's resolutions on the front end of it about things that you're going to do and you hope it makes your life better, I want to say to you, have you considered what God said? God said it pretty simply. Come near to me. Come sit with me. I'll come near to you. And when you do, you'll have overflowing love, you'll have inexpressible joy, and you'll have a peace that exceeds all human understanding. Friends, that's God's promise to you and me. As we wrap it up, there are three ways that we can apply this, and I don't want us to miss those three. So grab your... your connect cards and on the back side you'll see what those three are and the first there's sort of a crawl walk and run to this the crawl is where we all begin you cannot sit with god and have god impart love joy and peace in your life without becoming a follower of jesus because i could take you right back to the bible and show you how god routes love joy and peace into our lives through his son so you start out by becoming a Christian and becoming a follower of Jesus so you have the direct line from God into your life. And so, for those of us who have not made that decision, man, there is not a better way to close out 2013 than closing it out by making the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. It opens the door to, to the three things we've talked about today and so much more, including the door of eternal life. Those are God's promises to you, but they're all found in Jesus. And they're found when you make the decision to become a follower of Jesus, to become a Christian. So if you haven't made that decision, I want to encourage you to make it this morning. I'm going to lead you in a prayer in just a minute. But for right now, you could check the box that says, I think it's a circle actually, you can check that circle that says, I'm, I'm choosing, I'm deciding today to become a follower of Jesus. The second thing is, if, you, if you're a follower of Jesus, it's important for you to reserve, and I want you to underline in your notes the words, hold sacred. You know what that means? You don't let anything interfere with it. You reserve it and you hold it sacred. Now, I want to pull over to the side of the road for just a minute and talk to those of you who read your Bible every day and you do it religiously. Okay? That, my friends, is good. 
But there's a difference between reading a passage of the Bible, checking it off your list, feeling good in your conscience, and going about your day. There's a big difference between that and sitting with God. I want you to know and to taste the joy that comes from sitting with God. Just being with Him. Hanging out with Him. And doing it for 30 or 45 minutes or an hour every day. That's just your time to be with God. It's not your time to rush in, get your Bible, open it up to the place you have a bookmark, and down through there, and away you go. Okay? It's your time to sit and be with God. And just hang out. Share with Him what's going on in your life. Take time to listen. Because your time with God is a conversation with you and God. And if you take time to share with Him what's going on in your life and then listen, it's amazing what you will hear in your spirit. And I can tell you this. If you think talking to God increases your love, joy, and peace, wait till you hear from Him. Yeah. It's incomparable. And then the third thing is to reserve and hold sacred four personal retreats with God. A personal retreat has to be at least a half a day. I went through my 2014 calendar and I marked off four personal retreats with God. And in my case, they're at least 48 hours long. Okay, Where I'm just going to go be with God. I'm going to walk with Him. I'm going to see beautiful things. I'm going to talk with Him. I'm going to hear from Him. And I'm going to get my spirit refreshed all the way down to my core four times in this coming year. And, and you know what? I'm anticipating overflowing love, inexpressible joy, and a peace that passes all human understanding. I want to invite you on that journey. I want to pray with you right now. And if you're, if you're ready to make the decision to follow Christ... I want you to repeat this prayer. Heavenly Father, today I make the decision to follow Christ. I want that overflowing love, that inexpressible joy, and that peace that passes human understanding. And I know they come through Jesus. So I choose today to follow him for the rest of my life. And make that choice. And I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I continue this prayer for the rest of my friends here. Would you help us not to be like Naaman and jump on our horse and start riding off to our own Damascus and, and thinking, oh, that's too simple. Can it really work that way? Would you replace our really with a really? And to embrace that time with you. And Father, would you do in our lives what we could never do on our own? We trust you with that. We look forward to the coming year, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.